Like, why can't I just be predisposed? <laughs> predisposed. Predisposed. They say home is where the heart is, so I wonder why your motherfucker always feeling heartless. Welcome to episode 20 of W Negative. We made it to 20, Kyle. Wow, congratulations, Chris. As always, I'm Chris. Yeah, congratulations, Kyle. We did it. You're halfway around the world, and... Um, we're still doing it. I got a little nervous at first when you left because of the whole connection issue thing we had in the beginning, but it's all worked out perfectly and I'm very happy for that. Like a successful long distance relationship, Chris. We're making it work. A very successful long distance relationship. You're not cheating on me. I did go on another podcast, but it was nothing. It was just a night night out. It was not, not what you think it was. Uh, we still have to talk about that in therapy, but yeah, I'm getting over it. All right. All right. I mean, we'll fig- we'll get we'll get through it. It's not it's not the easiest thing, and I understand, but we will get through it. So, how have you been? How was your week? I haven't talked to you since last Tuesday. Uh, I've been doing really good, dude. Um, like, like really good. Like, I talked about it in my singly negative. I'm doing so good that I'm worried about it ending. Like that type of good. Like, I'm not really even. I'm not even really looking for anything else. Like, I got really good friends. I got some really good uh, romantic things going on. My work is excellent. Uh, the gym is good. Like, everything is really, really good. So. Yeah, I'm happy, man. That That's awesome. I, I listened to the Singly Negative episode that you did, patreon.com slash WNegativePod, and it was really good. And I got super excited when I heard, like, you have, like, a steady 20-hour 20 20 a week job. Like, that's super different for you. It is, man, and it's a really good one, too. She's just a really great client. She's got a lot of work for me. She's got a lot of money that she's willing to spend, and uh, she trusts me, too, so... You know, like some, like, for example, I'm doing an article that's like 2,000 words. Some clients are going to try to do that as cheap as possible. They're going to say, can you spend one and a half or two hours on it? And I'll say, well, I guess, you know, I'm not going to be able to do as good as I would want to. And she just says, well, you know, think about it for a few hours and then we'll talk. So she, she, she's actually paid me to think about it for a few hours before. So it's, it's really great. That's awesome. And I, th- I think especially for you, because you're in a situation where, the work you have isn't always consistent. Am I correct in that assumption? You could not be more correct. Yeah. So you don't know when you're going to get that next job or when your next paycheck is coming in. So now you have that like extra sense of security, which has to feel so good. It's great, man. And like, uh, you know, I, I can find jobs when I'm motivated. So that's my biggest problem is staying motivated. But um but the best thing is when I get one and they want to keep me and then they kind of solve the motivation problem for me. Now it's them like asking me to do things and I can always do things for other people, the whole people pleasing thing. But um, like, let's say the job ended right now. I already got enough money to live for a couple months, so I might just fuck off for a couple months, but she wants to keep working with me. So I'm going to keep doing that for as long as I can. I'm going to ride this gravy train till the station. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it definitely gives you that good feeling. And and it's nice to know that it's not a choice for you. Well, I mean, it's nice to know that it is a choice for you. Well, do I need to work? Do I feel like working? It's not like a thing where, oh, I don't know if I can get a job. It's so hard to get a job right now. It's open to you to get one if you want, which is a nice luxury to have. Yeah, no, I definitely feel very lucky. So, yeah, this week has been great. Um, let, let's switch over to you. How are you doing, big man? You <laughs> son of a bitch. You, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, I'm actually, no, no, I didn't. I, I don't know. I should have. No, Um. well, I've been exercising a lot more. Granted, this wasn't like the turning point because I was exercising a little bit more a week or two before I got called big man. And um, 
I just decided I'm going to start running. As you know from doing track and cross country with me, I am not a runner. <laughs> I am not very good. We've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. But I said, fuck it, I'm going to start running. And I've actually been running consistently and surprising myself while doing it. So that's that's felt really good. Yeah, it comes back really fast, doesn't it? Well, I never had it, so I had nothing to get back. That's that's the thing here. Okay, well, you build the cardio endurance pretty fast anyway, right? Like you told me, I don't know if you told me about your first run or one of your first, but you ran like, you know, two miles. And then just like a few days later, you ran five, right? Something like that. Yeah, so... I had soccer on a Monday where I ran a little over two and that's where I was like, oh, okay. Like I can run two miles and be like, okay, let me do that again tomorrow. So I did it again. And then I think I took a day off. No, no, no. Actually I ran three miles the following day and then the next day it was the five. So it was like one of those things where I just found a comfortable area for me to go longer. Like I was relying on the Apple watch a lot, like staying below a 100 and 70 for my heart rate 170 beats per minute and that kept me at a place where i could keep going so i don't know if it was so much that my cardio built up or that i just learned how to pace myself better well probably both but either way like yeah improvement in running especially when you first start is is just great so yeah i was super happy with that i think you're gonna keep it going for a little while yeah, I'm gonna. I, I, I didn't run today or yesterday, but I'm going to tomorrow for sure. It's crazy, though, how that that one comment that someone made absolutely changed my behavior and motivation for an entire week so far. Yeah, well, what do you think that is? Is it it just got under, got under your skin that much, or do you think that change was ready to happen anyway and that triggered it? Or, you know, can you talk about that? Yeah, so I think it definitely was something that I was ready to change and that triggered it. But I also think sometimes we get these thoughts in our head like, oh, I think I'm chunky. I think I'm chunky. And all the people around you that are close to you are telling you, no, you look good. You look good because they don't want to tell you that that truth. And when someone from the outside says it, it kind of confirms it. So I don't think I was getting that absolute confirmation that I was in a spot where I didn't want to be until I heard someone that I didn't know say it. Man, this just reminds me of the same thing we were talking about, though, on the big man one. Like, it's funny that you call the absolute truth that you're chunky because that is not the absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. It's all it's all relative. So, like, there's a lot of people that would look at you and legitimately say he is not chunky. Right. But your absolute truth is that you are. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's healthy to get down to a lower body fat percentage, but it does still come back to that psychological problem that you have and that I share that deep down we feel we're not good enough. And I think that is a big problem because it's never going to go away. And for example, you could get into like really sick shape, but let's say you were with a girl who dated somebody who was like an Instagram model or something like that. She could probably trigger you and just say, oh, well, you know, this guy was even better shape. And then even though you're feeling like you're in good shape, you're still going to go back to that absolute truth of I'm not good enough. And uh, yeah, it's just it just seems like a persistent problem psychologically. Does, does that make sense? Do you see what I'm getting at? Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I feel like I'm always in a competition with myself because no one judges me as hard as I judge myself. And no matter where I get, I'm always going to want to fix something. So it's just always me against me, as cliche as that sounds. It is cliche, but it's also the truth. Uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse because we've already talked about it a lot in the podcast. But I wonder if there's a new angle we can take about about always striving to improve. But 
kind of accepting ourselves, or that's pretty cliche too. I don't know. No, I I know what you're saying. Like um, trying to improve yourself. I I mean, fuck. I know. I don't. I where was I going with this? You know what the problem is, Kyle? I'm sitting back. I'm reclined. I took the microphone out of the mic stand, and I'm just relaxed, Chris, tonight. Yeah, maybe a little bit of the green stuff. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. So maybe that's why I lost my train of thought so quickly there. Jake, you can cut this out, leave it in, whatever you decide. But um, can you repeat your last, <laughs> your last sentence, please? The new angle on. No, I'm, I'm just saying like we, we've kind of already covered a lot of not feeling good enough and, and doing our best, you know, competing with ourselves. But is there any new angle here or uh, I don't know about accepting ourselves. I think personally, one of the only angles is just being satisfied with your accomplishments and not worrying about too much what you haven't accomplished yet. Because those things you want to strive for and you want to achieve, you haven't achieved them yet. And if you're serious about achieving them, you're still working towards doing that. So don't be too hard on yourself for not doing that yet because not everyone's on the same timeline. Have you ever thought about or dealt with self-sabotage at all? Um, I've definitely thought about it. I've seen people close to me do that. But... I don't know if I can for sure say I have self-sabotaged. Well, it's something I've been thinking about, especially since I've been doing really good lately. And I just think back to all the other times that I was doing really good, and I kind of wonder what happened. Why did I fall off? You know, because it, let's say I rode that wave of self-improvement back in 2017. Like, if I just had a steady, solid effort for those three years, who knows where I'd be? And I, I don't even know if that's possible. I'm not trying to get down on myself. I'm just trying to come at it from the angle of why did I stop? And I talked about that a little bit in my singly negative. Like it could be, it could be as simple as mental illness. It could be just bipolar or something. But I also wonder if it's something like reverting to the absolute truth. Like I'm more comfortable not being good enough. So when I start to feel too good, something in me triggers and says, no, go back. You're not supposed to be here. Go back to who you were before. And uh, I'm not sure if that's actually what's going on, but you do hear the term self-sabotage in psychology, pop psych 101, and uh, self-help and stuff. And I'm just wondering, you know, like, because when we started this podcast, you, you were also doing very good. You were on a diet and you were exercising and you were losing weight. And now here we are a few months later, kind of back in the same place. So. So why does that happen? What is that? I don't know. Sometimes I think I'm just streaky. Like, if, if I don't think about it too deeply, I'm like, okay, I'm just streaky with caring about diet and exercising. And then I fall off because I get lazy or I get comfortable. I kind of want to circle back to something you said in the beginning of the episode where um, you said you're super happy now, but like you're constantly thinking about when is it going to end? Something right. bad is going to happen yeah. and my good mood's going to be ruined. That's definitely a form of self-sabotage, just even having those thoughts when you're on such an extreme high like you are. So, I mean, what can you do to get that thought out of your head, you know? Because I'm sure a lot of people have that same thing that you do where you're like, oh, like, I'm super happy right now, but like I, this can't last forever. And you're kind of preparing for the worst, but it doesn't make the worst easier to deal with when it gets there. So what can you do to get those negative thoughts out of your head? Because maybe that attributes to bringing people down to where they feel less than they did when they were in, in that extreme high. Well, my, my first thought would just be living in the present moment more. 
um, appreciating it instead of always analyzing it and overthinking. So things like meditation, um, yeah, appreciating the present moment. And then also probably just staying busy because um, historically, whenever I've taken too much of a break, there's a big distinction between alone time used for rest. And that's kind of like actively good. Like you need to spend some alone time, watch a movie, whatever, kind of decompress. But then there's a tipping point where if I'm alone for too long, then my thoughts start to kind of get darker. And uh, yeah, if, if I'm not busy for a long time, I can overthink way too much. And uh, maybe that's a little bit of what's going on too. So maybe just staying busy. And, and that has been also historically very difficult for me because I don't really like to stay busy, but it's also been part of why I'm doing so good right now. I've basically been busy almost all of the time. If I'm not working, I'm at the gym or I'm with friends or something. So I haven't really had too much time to overthink. Um, so, so maybe that's a big part of it, maybe staying busy. So you say you don't like being busy, but most of the time when you're busy, you're happy. So do you not like being busy or it kind of sounds like you like being busy, Kyle? Yeah, that, that's a good uh, observation. Um, it feels like the same kind of thing. Like when I say I don't like being busy, I guess I mean that in the same way as like, I don't like going to the gym. Like it's not comfortable for me. Um, like, because you have the you have the comfortable Kyle and the growth Kyle. The comfortable Kyle doesn't like being busy. He doesn't like going to the gym. He doesn't like eating healthy food. Um, but but those are all the things that actually make him happy. So so that that is a fucked up thing, isn't it? Like the things that I that I like um, that I identify with liking are not the things that really help me. While the things that actually make me happy are kind of the things I have to unnaturally force myself to do in a, in a way. Yeah, it's fucked up that it works that way. Like, why can't I just be predisposed? <laughs> predisposed. <laughs> I'm the king of mis making up words on this podcast. Mis misinterpreted. What was mis the other one? How did you say it? Mis misinterpreted. Misinterpreted. <laughs> so I myself read this word <laughs> I wish I was predisposed. <laughs> you love to just add another syllable to these words. Just like one more same Jake sound. Leibniz. Welcome back to... <laughs> it's awful. Uh, welcome back to Doubly Negative episode 20. I wish that I was preconditioned to enjoy working out and exercising more. Yeah, man, it reminds me of another thing they say, like, I'm sure you've seen the, um, like, they say it takes like 30 days or 60 days or 90 days to build a habit. And that's true in a way, like, now that I've been really consistent in the gym for at least a couple months, like, it's really easy for me to get to the gym. But I feel like the habit is still separate from my core nature, almost. And I still feel like, like maybe in the same way, like your absolute truth is that you're chunky. Like my core nature still doesn't want to go to the gym. So it's just, it's, it's way easier to break the habit of going to the gym and then revert to just not going to the gym than it is to keep that habit going. I guess, I guess it's just always easier to do nothing than it is to do something. It's so much goddamn easier. And depression plays a big part of that too. 
course. Like we could have a couple days where we're feeling down in the dumps and that takes us out of going to the gym. And like you said, it's very easy to break that habit and revert to doing nothing. You get comfortable doing nothing for those couple days. Next thing you know, those couple days turn into a couple weeks and it's just a downward spiral. I almost feel like the entire self-help industry is built on a lie because I, I talk about my bipolar nature, but I think, actually, I think it's a lot more widespread than people think. And I think a lot of people that wouldn't even consider themselves as having it still have a little bit of it because I've talked about this before, uh, maybe on singly negative, but you see people do what we do all the time where we improve and we start feeling good and then we talk about it. And then a couple months later, we kind of fall off. We, we lose our energy or something like that. And then we fuck around for a few months until we get it again. And then, you know, whatever it is causes us to do good again. And I, I feel like I feel like that's almost like the natural way that most people are. I, maybe I'm projecting. But it seems like self-help is kind of built to where people are always looking for the next thing to get them on that kick. And it's only a catalyst, like all these different ideas and different methods and stuff. It's just a catalyst that gets you on that right track again. And then you say, oh, it's because of John Davidson or whoever the fuck it was. But really, it's just you ready to improve again until you're not. And that's why it always seems like doesn't it always seem like there's no true answer. Like there's there's always a new guy or a new product or something. And it always seems like it's the answer, but it's never the answer. I don't know. Am I just ranting with no direction here? No, it's never the answer. No, no, not at all. Because you hear it all the time. Like this is a di- this diet you can stick to. Sixty percent of the users on this diet stayed with it for a full calendar year, and it's like, I don't know. Like you hear about stuff all the time. Even like in this case, you're talking about the answer to like staying motivated, or the answer to like healthy eating, or staying consistent in the gym, like. It's always like, oh, that's debunked. That actually didn't work. This is what works now. And it's like you said, it's always that next thing. And I, I really don't think there is that next thing. It's just that cycle that you talked about where we're ready to improve again. And that happens to be the first thing we see. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, it's almost like if a guy, like if anybody in the self-help industry has a really strong brand and they put something out, it's almost like it's giving people permission to go back on that path of self-improvement. It's like the placebo effect. They read it, they view the content, and they say, oh, this is going to work. And then it does because they want it to work and they're ready to improve anyway. And then it does work for a little while. Like like you mentioned the diet example. It's a perfect example. How many people have started Atkins and succeeded for a long time? Because Not because the Atkins diet is superior. I mean, it's a fine diet. There's nothing wrong with it, I think. But it's not the answer. It's just something that works until you stop doing it, like everything else. Yeah, exactly. And there's no magic diet or magic self-help technique that's going to solve your problems. It's just working for you at the time because you're practicing it. There's multiple different avenues you can take to get to where you want to be. And you don't need to tie yourself to one. You can experiment a little bit and find the one that works the absolute best for you. Same thing with, like, diet or a training program, which one works the best for you? Stick with that one because you enjoy doing it. It's keeping you motivated for the longest amount of time. So that's the one for you. Yeah, and I guess I'm kind of I'm kind of being negative in the whole self-help thing, but if I do have a point, and I think there's one to be said here, 
I think my point would be to not get married to any guru or simple device. Like, you know, another cliche is that we all have different things that work for us. And I think that's true. And I think there's an old phrase uh, in Buddhism. I think it's like, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird phrase, but what it means is that if someone claims to be enlightened or claims to have the answer, they're lying. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a huge Tony Robbins fan or, or whoever, that's fine, but they're not God and they don't have it figured out for everybody. And they might not even have it figured out for themselves because this is something else I've talked about on Singly Negative. It's so easy with social media to only post the good stuff where like if I wanted to, I could portray and maybe maybe that's what I was being criticized for before and the gang gets criticized. Anybody can look like they have it figured out because they just post all the good stuff from all the years and none of the bad stuff. So again, I'm kind of rambling, but I just I don't think anyone has it totally figured out. And that that's why I would warn against uh, totally throwing it in with any one guru or teacher or anything like that. No, and one thing I want to highlight from what you just said was they might not have the answer for everybody, which is very important to note because a lot of these people will tie themselves to a guru because they, they hear some of the things they say and it's exactly what they want to hear. But like you said, like everyone is different. Like you're an individual. Not everything that this guru is spitting is going to work for you. So I think that was a very important thing to highlight in what you said, the whole, you know, just making sure you threw everybody in there because that, that's completely true. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at, like, religion, like, even Jesus or Muhammad, they, even they didn't have it for everybody. So, <laughs> you know, even even their disciples, they're still the fucking Judas or whatever. I'm not very versed on Christianity, but there, there's always people that are going to be resistant to it. And, yeah the, yeah, the message is not the same for everybody. I, th I think that's true. Religion's a dicey subject. We talked about this earlier on in the pod, I think, where we spoke about like how it's different based on where you're born and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it, it is dicey. And I just thought of, um, this is going to be a weird example from my own life. But um, for, first of all, are you familiar with Bo Burnham, the comedian musician guy? Yeah, I haven't seen his most recent special, but the one before that I found very funny. Man, he's brilliant. Uh, I urge you to watch that new special. It's called Inside on Netflix. It's it's absolutely brilliant. Well, anyway, I was I was listening to one of his older songs uh, with, 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 the, with the girl and it's a song from the perspective of God. Uh, I forget what it's called, but he's just, uh, the, the lyrics are coming from who he perceives to be God. And, you know, she's Muslim. And one of the lines is like, go ahead and eat pork if you want to, because why the fuck would I care? I built the entire universe. I'm not going to draw the line at the grocery aisle. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just loved it. And, and she laughed too, because it's like, <laughs> It's so easy to poke holes in that stuff, isn't it? And, and of course, you know, anybody with their own individual faith has to kind of reconcile those holes and say, well, you know, the whole pork thing is this or, or it's that or whatever. But I don't know. It's just a funny thing I just thought of now. Yeah, he really is so funny. And I think I started that special but fell asleep. I put it on like late at night. I do remember the very beginning of it. But no, yeah, it, it really is so so funny because you see people try to poke holes in certain theories and things written in the bible all the time and like 
I'm losing my train of thought, Kyle. I'm going off on these tangents, and I'm losing my train of thought. You're going to have to carry me. Because, you know, that's the second time it's happened, and I'm losing my marbles. <laughs> you're, you're senile, dude. It's over. I am. I'm Chrissy Biden. <laughs> yeah, well, Bo Burnham. I'm Chrissy fucking Biden's. All right. Bo Burnham is another example of what I was talking about earlier, where, like, I don't know. He's not a self-improvement guy at all. But he's this guy that you look at and you say, this guy's got it figured out. Like, he's handsome. He's obviously brilliant. He's talented. But um, he's very open and honest about his own mental health struggle. And so what happened with him is he he took a five-year break from stand-up comedy. He was getting severe panic attacks on stage. So he took a break. He quit. And uh, in the new special inside, he talks about how he quit to get his mental health better. And he said it worked. He started doing better. Um, he doesn't explain how. Uh, he doesn't say what methods he was using, but it doesn't really matter. He was just doing better. And uh, then something happened. He also doesn't explain that. But his mental health during the, the, the filming of Inside, whether it's an act or not, you, you could say he's just kind of acting. But... I don't think it's an act. I think he clearly experiences ups and downs in mental health. Um, and, and he's a guy where you listen to his lyrics and, and you can see that he's extremely bright. Um, yeah, I'm kind of rambling with this too, but, but yeah, he's, he's a genius. I think, I think he's a genius and uh, he's, he's clearly struggling. So there's a couple different points to be made with that, but the mental health is a big one. And uh you can tell that he's read pretty much everything he could, but he still doesn't have it figured out. Yeah, and honestly, like you were saying earlier, he's, you know, he's handsome, he's brilliant, he's got the cash, successful career, but he still has these ups and downs with mental health. And one of my least favorite things people say about, like, celebrities and stuff is, how can they be upset? They have so much money. How, how can they be depressed? What are they dealing with? Oh, you can't deal with that from your mansion? Like, okay. That's not how mental illness works. No, exactly. And I'm glad you said that because um, actually after I watched the special, I was Googling, you know, Bo Burnham, mental health, how's he doing and all that. And there was this Reddit thread um, that was really criticizing his special and saying that he was pandering to people that are depressed. And they said, I think he's acting. How could he be that depressed? He's rich and handsome and all that. Exactly what you're saying. Um, and they were, they were basically saying that they didn't believe he was mentally ill, that he was making it up. And I thought that that was really funny because on the one hand, I can almost understand that line of thought, but on the other, it's batshit crazy. It's fucking ridiculous to think that somebody would fake that. You know, there's, there's one thing to say that he's playing it up as, as part of his act, but personally, what I believe about Bo, uh, specifically, and I don't want to get too off track here, but. I think he's absolutely experienced everything that he's talking about. Maybe in the moment when he's performing, he's not experiencing it, but it's his experience that allows him to emulate that in his act. So um, I, to, to say that he's never felt it, I think is, is completely wrong. Yeah, exactly. And especially in his case where he's portraying something, how could he portray it accurately if he's never actually felt that way? You know what I mean? That's why all the best actors in Hollywood are method actors because they live that and can portray it the most accurately when the time comes. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's also why, um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but 
there's a lot of evidence that backs up that all of the best artists have dealt with some mental illness issues. Um, uh, like painters, musicians, writers, they've all felt some pretty fucked up things. And, and the, the logic behind that is the same as the method acting thing. You can only portray that. You can only express it. You can only paint it or play it if you felt it. So people that have felt a, a wide range of emotions might be better able to create great art. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And it's funny because I had a friend, well, I hung out with a lot of kids back in the day that were in bands. And one of this kid, one of these kids had broken up with his girlfriend at the time. And someone else in the band said, hey, go write a song. Because he knew like that's when he was going to produce the best lyrics for a song. I feel like especially after a breakup, you're way more like vulnerable and like you have more emotions to talk about, obviously. So I think that definitely does help with, you know, music writing, artistic, all that stuff. Yeah, that, that's a great um, point you made because there, there's the larger point about the, the spectrum of emotions and thoughts. But then there's also the, the great, really specific example of the breakups and and we do see that time and time again in music, especially where something really difficult will happen to an artist and that's when they produce their greatest work. So, yeah, I do think, you know, we, we might not think about that, in, especially in terms of like painting or, or music sometimes. But it is a, it is in, it's another cliche and I think it's also true that you have, to, you have to experience things in order to create things. So... And, and actually, this brings up another point that I remember um, hearing some comedian. I don't remember who was talking about it, but they but they were actually kind of expressing something similar to what I was getting at. Like, my life is too happy. I'm too content. I can't actually create. I think it was a comedian. He was saying, I'm too happy. I'm too content. I can't be funny. Isn't that a fucked up idea? Yeah, no, for sure. Because it's like, I feel like I come up with my best stuff when I'm upset. And maybe that's why sometimes I like to get myself upset intentionally. Do you ever do that? That's a form of self-sabotage right there. So I guess I was lying earlier. Um, Go on a little bit more about that. I don't know. Like there are times where like even I'll prepare myself to get angry at a situation and get angry thinking about the possibilities of that situation, assuming that this is going to happen. And it'll, in reality, it'll never happen. I'm just purposely working myself up. Because I, I feel like sometimes I like to feel pissed off. And I think that's a fucked up thing <laughs> for me to feel. Yeah, definitely. I think we did talk about that in the context of the gym, maybe. Or maybe I, I talked about it. I think I remember you saying this, and then I said, sometimes I'll do that to myself in the gym to try to push myself harder. I'll, I'll remember something that makes me pissed off. Yeah, see, like, I can't do that. But I'll, like, find myself thinking about, like, an upcoming interaction with someone where I have something specific to bring up. And in my head, I'm painting this picture that they're going to be combative with what I suggest, and I'm preparing comebacks in my head for when they become combative. And, that, and like, nine times out of ten, that doesn't happen. None of the stuff I played out in my head or got angry thinking about prior to the interaction actually happens. Yeah, dude, you know what? Now that you're saying this, I just remembered yesterday I was doing this in the shower. I played in this poker tournament in uh, March in Texas, and this son of a bitch, this fucking asshole, basically I went all in, we were all short stacked, but I went all in with a decent hand, something like ace 10 or something, and he called me with like jack five, and he sucked out on me, he got lucky, he won. You know, it's not a huge hand, it was a pre-flop thing, whatever, no big deal. 
And then he had the gall to talk. And he said, yeah, I knew you were doing that. Yeah, that's why I called, blah, blah, blah. And in the moment, I didn't say anything. But now, six months, no, like four months later, I'm in the shower and I'm thinking about him. And I was thinking about what I wish I would have said. And I was even rehearsing it. I was like, man, why are you acting like you're the one that got unlucky? Like, I was even thinking about that type of shit to say. And I noticed myself doing it, but I would go back into it. And it was almost like like an itch that I knew I shouldn't scratch, but I was like getting pleasure out of scratching it. And I was saying to myself, like, okay, I'm just going to go through it one more time in my head. You know, it, it was a really weird mental space to be in. So we can kind of tie this back into how we feel like we're never good enough when, like, when we're dieting and stuff. Like, where we're feeling chunky, we're not good enough. It's because we paint this picture in our head, right? So we paint this picture of what we think we should look like. Yeah. Right? And if we're not there, we're not going to be happy. Right? So you have these situations, and you deal with it the way you deal with it. But afterwards, you have this image of yourself where you would have dealt with it this way and you would have been the fucking cool guy at the end of the day. Right, yeah. And I do that all the fucking time. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm having all these Pop Psych 101 ideas now, but it's like maybe it goes back to childhood again and there was some crucial moment where we didn't get the acceptance we wanted and we thought that if we had been perfect in that moment, we would have gotten that acceptance. So that's why we ruminate it, ruminate on it now, and we hope that if the same situation were to happen again, we could do it perfectly, something like that. And I think a good skill to learn is to not live in the past. Like when we, we speak about meditating a lot and living in the present moment and letting go of those things in the past, we, guys like me and you, we hold on to those things in the past and we try to perfect what we did wrong in that moment. And I don't think that's a very healthy thing. Absolutely, man. I'm just remembering something else about my childhood now. I remember when I was in elementary school, I used to remember everything everyone said to this like kind of creepy degree where I would bring up things. I would say, yeah, you said this two months ago. And people would be like, why do you remember that? And the truth was that, so, you know, like I talked about in the past, I, I always felt like I wasn't accepted, that I was the fat kid, blah, blah, blah. So I would have these interactions during the school hours. And then at home, every night before I slept, I would actually mentally go over every conversation I had and I would kind of re-remember it and think about what I could have said or blah, blah, blah. And, and that act of going back over those conversations kind of like burned them into my memory. And that's why I remembered everything is because every night I would go through every conversation I had that day. It's a really kind of strange thing that I used to do. I don't do it anymore, but yeah. Weird. I think that's because you had such low self-esteem at that age, too, because I think you were kind of studying yourself and these interactions you were having and trying to figure out how you can improve going forward. Does that sound right? Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just one of those things. I think a lot of people with low self-esteem can relate to what you're saying, too, because, I mean, that's something I don't think I did to that degree. But it's definitely something I thought about all the time. Yeah, it was just this extreme self-consciousness. And, and now I remember, it's kind of all kind of coming flooding back to me. I remember that I had different t-shirts that I thought I looked less fat in or more fat in. And I would always like be a little bit happier on the days when I was wearing my good t-shirts, for example. And that continued all throughout high school. I remember like one girl gave me a compliment when I was wearing one t-shirt and I was like, okay, that's the t-shirt now. Like, I'm going to wear that t-shirt as much as I possibly can without it being weird. And, uh, yeah, just all those things like that. Just, like, tr desperately trying to figure out how to be accepted. 
but kind of missing the point. Yeah, I, I'm the same. If I get a compliment about anything, I'm sticking with whatever I got that compliment on forever until someone tells me otherwise. That might be why I still have long hair, actually. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, People ask me like- what? I'm going to step in here first. Don't, <laughs> don't you dare cut the hair. <laughs> okay, now I won't. I, I certainly won't now. If you can grow hair like that, you fucking grow it. Okay? And it, it just- Well, yeah, I was talking about- <laughs> No, sorry. I was going to say, it just fits your whole- it fits, it fits you. You're a guy that lives in Bali, freelance writer, by the beach. You surf. You do jujitsu. You let you gotta have the long hair. It just it's it's Kyle, it's it's Kyle. Well, yeah, maybe, but then sometimes it gets annoying to have long hair, and you kind of wish it was short. And uh, I'm just speaking from my own mental dialogue right now. It's like, yeah, I do like having long hair, but sometimes I wish it was short. And then when I do think about what if I cut it, my first thought is like, oh, would I look ugly then? Or, you know, would I not get the same approval? So. It does go back to the same thing we're talking about. It's like that first immediate thought is, will I still be accepted or will this make me more accepted or less accepted? And I do hope to get past that one day. And I've, I've kind of said that I'm, I'm a little bit further along the path. It's, it's not as big to me now, but it's still there. I kind of feel like what I said was super toxic now. I'm like, it's, it's part of you. You got to keep it. And it's like so toxic part of you. Part of you says you don't want to keep it, so I'm going, you have to, dude. It's you. <laughs> That's not you. You are not your hair. Your hair is not you, Kyle. Obviously. I, let me retract my last my last <laughs> statement. I think you would look drop-dead gorgeous with short hair. So now I have to cut it? No. I think you look drop-dead gorgeous with long hair as well. <laughs> so honestly, whatever you're feeling, I think you should do. And I think it would look good either way. I feel like we just... If you want to see Kyle get a haircut live on Patreon, patreon.com slash totally negative I feel like we just talked through like a relationship counseling issue. I think we've talked through a lot because you had like memories coming back from childhood. I think this is how therapy works. Yeah, well, we kind of did you last week or the week before. So now I guess we're doing me. Uh, I got another example. Oh, keep them coming. All right. So this one's actually fairly recent, but... Um, so the, the way my facial hair works is I'm just lazy, but I don't like having a long beard. So my normal pattern is I'll, I, I never shave, but I'll do a full trim of everything. And then I just wait until it gets too long. And then I do another full trim, usually like a week and a half or every two weeks. That's just what I like to do. But my ex-girlfriend told me several times, she's like, I don't like the way you look when you trim your beard. You should have a beard all the time. And uh, she got me like... I don't know, it was a little bit controlling and also a little bit manipulative, but I got to this point where I was afraid to trim. And uh, I did not like having that beard all the time, but I did it for her. And uh, that was definitely a little bit toxic. It was just this kind of small example, but it was definitely toxic. And I, I, I bet there's a lot of people out there in relationships that have something similar. Like the guy says, oh, you can't wear this type of clothes or, or your hair has to be this type of way. like. Yeah, I've been through that a little bit too. One of the biggest things for me in relationships, like you see it happen a lot where the other person's like, oh, I need to fix this. I need to fix that. You need to fix this. You need to fix that. You shouldn't be working on like changing that person that you're with. You should be learning to grow and adapt to their lifestyle without sacrificing any of yours as well. I think it happens way too often in relationships where people are trying to change their significant other to be their perfect man when it's like, it's not, it's not healthy. You're not going to get your perfect man or woman, you know? 
So learn to adapt and grow with those things that may not be ideal for you, but they're checking a lot of other boxes. I, I, I'm kind of going off the rails a bit here, but do you see what I'm saying as far as? No, absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, that is, if you do have a big issue, then that's your problem. Because if it's something the person is working on and they should change, then sure, fine. But in life, any dissatisfaction you have is, is coming from you. So if you have this idea that I would be happy if my partner did this or changed this, that's your problem. you got to examine that. Yeah, and it happens way too often. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed early on in relationships so you don't have to deal with the heartbreak down the road. Yeah. You don't want to be sitting. I got another example now I just thought of. Keep them coming, Kyle. This is what I'm here for. I'm actually sitting forward now. Right, so I was reclined before. <laughs> I'm sitting forward now. So, so what you did with my hair, you know, it was kind of a comedy thing, but it was also an example of like, I think that was really a beautiful thing to say. I think that's kind of how it should be said. You, 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 you finally arrived at, I think you're good both ways. Whatever you want to do is right. And I think that's, I think that's essentially what is said in healthy relationships. And um, so I'm, I'm in Bali. I know it's not interesting, but I'm driving a bike a lot of the time. And if, I'm, if I've got a significant other, you know, I'm driving and she's on the back of the bike typically. So where do their hands go? Um, sometimes they go to your stomach. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't like that. I do not like when someone touches my stomach. Do you have that same insecurity? I won't let my wife touch my stomach. Exactly. Yeah, it's just something that as former fat kids, we don't like. And uh, this uh, this new one I'm with now, she 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 touched my stomach like that. And I, I, I moved her hands away. And she's like, why? And I said, I just don't like it. And uh, she, you know, she just said the perfect thing. She's like, hey, I think I think you're great the way you are. You don't have to worry. And I kind of said, well, I, I, you know, I really appreciate that. I just I just don't like that so much. And over the next couple weeks, she just she did this very interesting thing where it was kind of brilliant. She just kind of, whenever we were on the bike, she would put her hand in different places, almost like training a pet or something to be okay with it. Like, you know, when you, you first meet a kitten, you have to be really like patient with it and touch its head first and that type of thing. Well, well anyway, over the course of a couple of weeks, she kind of got me comfortable with her touching my stomach because she gave me that reassurance. First of all, she said, Hey, you're, you're fine. You know, I like you the way you are. And then she kind of got me used to it. So that just is, is something really nice that I just thought of. Yeah. And the fact that she was putting in the effort to make you more comfortable, that's, mm. you know, that's green flag. Last episode is red flags. Was that last episode or two episodes ago? That was two episodes ago. That's a green flag. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And yeah, she, she's really great in, in those specific uh, circumstances uh, in other ways too but like uh, you know she knows that I'm trying to lose fat and, and you know whatever improve my body and she says well that, that's great but I like you the way you are you know then and, and, and that's really great because I've also had th this is actually a, a sneaky example of something that ended up being toxic but last year I dated someone who gave me a lot of praise when I had lost a lot of weight she said, you look great now. You look so much better now than you did before. Oh. And in the moment, I took, I took that as really nice. I was like, wow, she's giving me a lot of praise. But then it kind of built this back door in my mental 
um, my mental processes to where um, I, I found that I did end up gaining some weight back, and then I was afraid of how she perceived me. So it it it's, it like it started out as a positive thing, but it ended up becoming a negative thing because it was conditional. It was you look great now, you didn't then. Whereas a much healthier um, thing is just to, just to accept your partner regardless because you, you kind of have to if you want a healthy relationship. Yeah, and like the human psyche is so difficult to navigate. Like you know that the person in this previous relationship wasn't trying to like put you down in any way, shape, or form, and they were super happy for you and offering you words that they thought were motivational, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but not realizing how they could affect you in the long run because i'm i've been in that same exact situation like i mean we were both chunky at one point so obviously when we first got skinny we received a lot of compliments compliments we weren't receiving before and when you know you start those compliments start to fade a little bit even and i feel like that kind of attributes to me sometimes getting less motivated Right, so if I'm getting compliments consistently, I want to keep those going, right? This sounds like, I don't know if it sounds stupid. I feel like it's very childish, but like if I get compliments, I'm like, oh, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something right. I'm getting that reassurance. And that's why people always go to social media. Oh, I'm getting more likes. I'm getting that reassurance. I'm doing something right. Everyone wants that pat on the head. And I feel like I feel that same way like with myself and dieting and my body composition. When I'm getting those compliments, I want to keep going. But when they start fading a little bit, that's when I start losing my motivation because I don't feel like I'm doing it right. Does that, I feel like that, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. No, no, that's a, I think that's a really profound point, dude. I think that's, that's really very insightful. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that's exactly what we wanted when we first started getting in better shape and then we got it. And then you're right that, that, uh, that drug we got that we desperately wanted, it, it worked for a little while and we felt happy and then we needed more. And uh, yeah, you could go one of two ways with that. You could either keep going and keep getting in better shape, for example, to try to get more of those compliments, or you might just need some good feeling and you could go backwards and just slip into like bad food if that's what you're addicted to. But I think that point you made of, of that, uh, that high wearing off when the compliments wear off, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, because especially when you first lose the weight, you're going to get a lot more compliments and mm -hmm. naturally those are going to fade away. So when those fade away, you kind of feel like, okay, I made it there. I did it. I got what I was going to do. And you think you just have it because you got it. And that's when you start to just go back down until you don't have it anymore and you have to regain what you had. And I, that's part of the cycle I'm constantly in where it's like, oh, wow, you you're, you lose a little weight? And it's like, yeah, you know, I did lose a little weight. And then I find myself going, all right, I lost a little weight. I can afford a bad weekend. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just kind of reinforces the idea that it's never over. You're never going to be, you're never going to reach that stage where you're totally content because even if you did, then the compliments stop. That's where you are now. And there's no more validation to be had. So what do you do then? And that reminds me of the whole celebrity thing. Those are people that we view as having completed life. Like they did it. They have the money. They have the fame. But they're just like fat kids that got skinny. They got the validation. And now what do they do next? 
you're just there in your big house. And what do you do next? You have to, I guess you have to keep creating to keep getting that validation. And and also to bring it back to Bo Burnham, uh, he had another song called Art is Dead, I think, where he says that uh, don't, you should not admire artists because they're just like, they're like that loud kid at the birth birthday party that won't stop screaming. Like they're addicted to attention. That's why, that's why he does what he does. He releases a special and he gets all this attention and he feels great. But then a year later it's gone and now he needs to create another special to get that attention again. So I think this is a huge thing that a lot of people deal with. Um, and the answer is not so clear. Yeah. And I mean, I can even tie that to us starting this podcast. Yeah, you certainly could. The first could. episode we yeah. released, I got a lot of mm. messages from people I hadn't talked to in forever. And I was like, oh my God, like they liked it. They really liked it. Like I'm accepted, you know? And yeah, it, just, it just feels good getting that validation. So I think the big message in this, this episode is when your friends, your family, your loved ones, they make these accomplishments, be sure to compliment them in a constructive way that's not going to damage them for the rest of their life in the future. <laughs> yeah. Because the you look good now, don't yeah. highlight the now. Just say you look good. <laughs> because like Kyle said, guys like me and him, we deal with this later on. <laughs> and we go, oh, I looked good then, implying that we don't look good now. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it fucking murders us. Yeah. Uh, unconditional acceptance is that might be the best thing you can give somebody. And the truth is that 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 is what I feel for the people that I really care about. You included, you know, if, if you were to, you know, you're doing all these things that are good for yourself now. But if you were to stop, let's say you gained 40 pounds and you stopped the podcast and you felt like a complete piece of shit, that doesn't change who you are. And I want you to know that I would still accept you and love you, Chris, no matter what happens. And it makes me really happy you said that because I was going to say that about your hair earlier. <laughs> if you were to show up with short hair, I would still say, look at that handsome son of a bitch. That's Kyle. Yeah. Be yeah. And that's why I felt really bad about what I said before because I was like, no, that the, the long hair is you because it's not <laughs> you. You're not your long hair. You are you. So it's the unconditional acceptance. I'm going to make your job easy this week, Jake. Well, easier. That's the name of this episode, unconditional acceptance. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and th and that's what makes you so self-aware and uh, empathetic, Chris, is like, you know, that's just a tiny thing, but, but you really identified it. And yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm glad I caught it because I would have like heard it back later and I would have been like, fuck, what did I... What was I doing, man? Yeah. Like, I shouldn't have said that. You could have beat yourself up over it. And I, I find myself yeah. doing that a lot. Yeah. Like, honestly, like there was a joke I made. This is going back to last weekend with like um, the in-laws. Um, Michelle's cousins had came down and I had like made a joke and it was kind of at Michelle's expense and it bothered me for like four days. I was like, I hope she didn't think I was doing that maliciously. And I ended up like bringing it up and asking about it because it bothered me so much, but it was such a little insignificant thing that I thought of it in my head and I was like, well, man, I can't, I, I gotta be careful about what I say because it might seem like a joke to me, but someone else might take that in a way that's not so good. And uh, in this specific instance, what did she say? What was it, did, did it register for her or not? Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. It was just like, oh yeah, no, it's no big deal. I mean, it was kind of rude, but that you're, I knew you were joking. Yeah, well, it's interesting, like, that you bring this up because I had a situation um, 
with the same girl where I made a joke uh, last week and it was totally innocent in my mind. I meant nothing by it, but she brought it up yesterday and she said, hey, that really, you know, that got to me. And I was like, fuck, man, I, I didn't mean to do that. And yeah, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. It's like, you don't want to not joke because joking is one of the great joys in life, but you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings either. So I guess you just have to stay self, self-aware, you know, like you did in this podcast, like you did with, with your wife. And uh, yeah, I, I guess, I guess you got to take the risk and make the joke, but also be careful sometimes. I don't, I don't know. That, that's another paradox. Yeah, it's tough because me and you are of the of the mind of it's just jokes. Like, don't worry, it's just mm. jokes. Because there's a lot of people out there like, oh, he shouldn't have said that. It's offensive to some. And I'm like, well, he's saying it joking. It's like, that's his job. Like with stand-up comedians, them being under a microscope, it's like, that's their job. They're making jokes. They don't mean anything maliciously. But at the same time, like, I'll make these jokes in my life and I'll feel bad about saying that. I think I'm just, a, I, I just overthink things. And you know, actually, to, t- to bring this back around, you know what kind of highlighted this whole concept mm-hmm. for me? The TV show Love Island, the UK edition. I love me some trash TV. We've talked about yep. it before. I need to get Kyle. We need to get you a cable subscription so we can have a segment about the weekly episodes of The Bachelorette. Because I think that would be a segment. Well, we got to pick one. Are we talking about Love Island or Bachelorette right now? Well, I think Bachelorette is the most like mainstream one, and it's the one I watch you know, up to date as they're released. So I think that's the one we should talk about in the show. But the one that highlighted this issue for me was Love Island. Okay, so I'm watching. And this guy, Mike, makes a joke. Forgot her name. But it was kind of patronizing. And he did it innocently. But she got offended. And as you know, in these like dating shows, it's like kind of a new relationship. So they don't really have a full grasp on like what each other are feeling. So he made a joke that was like kind of rude. I noticed it was rude in the moment, but didn't think it would turn into a thing. The girl got offended and I was like, you know what? I make jokes like that sometimes thinking it's innocent and it's not. And sometimes it won't be brought up until like later on where it's like, oh, well, you talk down to me or something. So it's it's good to recognize these things because as silly as they seem to you until you see it from the outside, like I did on Love Island, <laughs> the UK edition. Well- you don't realize it. <laughs> well, what, what was the joke in this specific instance? I think he said like, oh, that'll do. It was like during one of like the contests. He said, I think it was like, it was like the line from Shrek. And he kind of like called her donkey uh. as a joke and then patted her on the head. She got super upset about the pat on the head. Patronizing. Ah, man, that's fun. really tough. That's really tough. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, it does kind of seem rude from the outside. Because even if like it's something that like you two can do in private, if you do that in public, the worry is that the people on the outside that don't understand your dynamic will see that as rude. And that's what I don't grasp. Yeah. And I've, I've done that same type of thing so many times because that kind of joke. So many times. That kind of joke kills in the right setting. It kills. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess like it's this, this type of thing is so situation dependent. You got to you got to identify so many variables. You got to identify the strength of your relationship, how that person has reacted in the past, what the setting is like, how their mood is now, how harsh the joke is, how hard it's going to kill. 
you got to analyze all those and decide if it's worth it or not because it's a risk. Jokes are risky. And you got to do that in a split second too because exactly. the timing is yeah. everything. Timing is everything. Exactly. Yeah, that's – man, you know what? I guess like like a re- to be like a real world-class comedian, you just got to say fuck it to all that shit and you just got to go for it every time. Bill Burr, one of the best in the business right now, and he says mm-hmm. the most offensive shit. So funny. So when I was single – well, not single, separated from my wife. We were seeing other people, whatever, not news that I'm breaking. Um, I was talking to someone and they were like, oh, what's your favorite stand-up? And I was like, oh, uh, this one. And it was a Bill Burr stand-up, Paper Tiger. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen it in a while. I just suggested it. I'll watch it. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't have suggested this one because the girl was pretty <laughs> yeah. liberal. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I, next, I messaged her the next day. I was like, did you, did you watch that? Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't remember it like I, like I, like I did before. It was pretty offensive, so <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know how to react. But that's 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 one of the guys that just fucking lets it fly. And if you haven't seen Paper Tiger, I suggest you watch that immediately because it is so Man, funny. Just like okay, so first of all, I want to be compassionate and say that I relate to that. I've done that too, where I recommend comedy and then I say, oh shit, how does that reflect on me? But think of how big of a pussy that makes you. If you're not even the one making the jokes, you're just endorsing the jokes and you're worried about coming off that way. Such a pussy. And I yeah. that was the first time I had ever experienced that. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking weird, man. Like, oh, I just think this is funny. Oh, if she thinks that I think that's funny, then she might think that I'm a fucking moron. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? The levels to it. I mean, how many times has someone suggested you a shitty movie and you watch it and then you thought less of that person afterwards? Because it's happened to me. Yeah, usually, actually. If someone says, <laughs> if you say, hey, well, what's your like your favorite like movie series? And they go, uh, probably the Fast and Furious series. What do you think of that person? Oh, they're an idiot. It's brilliantly shot. Vin Diesel's character is just... Yeah. Chef's, chef's kiss. Yeah, they're a fucking idiot. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> this is just such a small thing, but that that is one of the great anxieties of life is when you have something you really want to share with somebody and then you share with them on your phone or your laptop and you're watching their reaction and they're just not getting it like you wish they would. Oh, I fucking hate that. Oh, that's the worst. That is the worst because one of, my, one of the biggest joys I get in life is showing someone something that they end up really enjoying. Yeah. Like if I give someone a suggestion and they're like, dude, that was fucking awesome. Or they're like, oh, dude, I listen to that song all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, oh, that's my new favorite show. That it, that makes me so happy and I do not know why. So when I try to show someone something and they kind of write it off, yep. it bugs the hell out of me. No, well, I guess it's like, you know, if you if you really enjoy something like that, like a show or whatever, that kind of is part of your personality. So when you show that to someone and they accept it or reject it, that is kind of like they are accepting or rejecting a part of you. Yeah, for sure. And it's not even so much if someone says, oh yeah, I'm not really a big fan. It's more so if they just don't even bother to check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I make great fucking suggestions, okay? And I have a few friends, not going to say any names. Pete, Fu. Um, I've suggested <laughs> a lot of things and they just, they blow it right off. Yeah, well, that's another thing too. And I, I stopped doing that so much because there's just so much content out there and people are kind of hard to sway. So there, there's people out there that, you know, they will check out your suggestions and then there's a lot that won't. So you kind of identify like, you know, which ones will and which ones won't. And then also if you have someone who's kind of on the fence, 
you don't recommend too much to them because then what happens is like let's let's say you rec recommend 20 things to me i don't you know now i have like a homework list of 20 things it's much better if you just like pick one thing if that makes sense that's what that's what i do to people now too because let's say i want to recommend them 20 different things i kind of understand that you know which one is the most important how do they even begin to start yeah i mean we saw that happening, I mean, when you were here. Like, we used to sit, like, after we record and just show each other different things that we found funny. It wasn't yeah. like we were picking something that we were like, oh, okay, this is um, something we both enjoy. It was just like, okay, let me show you this. And you're like, okay, let me show you this. Like, we, we both found value in trying to entertain one another with things that we thought were funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's the best way to do it, too. Like, we were in person and we were, you know, enjoying each other's suggestions and kind of going off. And that that's like sharing part of yourself. Like, oh, this is what you're into. This is what I'm into. And yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good way to do it. And those are always the best times when, yeah. I don't know, not to sound cheesy, but whatever. All <laughs> right. It's 11.32 p.m. Yep. So I should probably head to bed. Yep. But great episode. Thank you all for listening. Go to our Patreon, $5 a month, you get bonus content, doubly negative pod. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Oh, actually, let's 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 tease this a little bit. Let's mm. tease it a little bit. Mm. We're going to have a professional mental health worker on the show next week. Mm. I'm not gonna say his name. So we gotta we gotta prepare some questions. We gotta we gotta make this a juicy one. We gotta take advantage of his time. I think we absolutely should. Yeah. Do we want to tease any more? Like, does he have a specific focus or a specific job title that would help guide our questions? Maybe, maybe listeners would have some questions too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a social worker. Um, I don't know too much more about that. I know he recently left his job and he's actually going to work for betterhelp.com. Use promo code doubly at checkout and get $60 off your first visit. Sure. That's not true. No, Don't use not, that. That's not going to work. No free ads. Yeah. It's going to happen, though. We'll, we'll get ads eventually. Um, but, yeah, now he's working for BetterHelp. Um, so I don't want to reveal too much about what you talk on Singly Negative, but would you be open to talking about that with him on a recorded pod? I know that's a lot to ask. I'm not expecting it of you. No, no, it's not. I, I can do that. It's just an idea that I had, and I thought maybe – if it's something you wanted to work through, maybe this could be an opportunity for you to get more information yourself and maybe push you to go to that extra step and yeah. get that help regularly. I, if you're comfortable with no, it, I, I think, think that I, would be really interesting. No, I'm, I'm totally comfortable with it. That's a, that's a great idea. Yeah. And we can even, you know, circle back to episode one with a little throwback and uh, talk about like the diagnosing depression and get his uh, thoughts on that. So that's going to be an awesome episode. We should actually cut all of this and make it a little teaser. But um, yeah, if you have any questions, send them in. I guess we can cut there. Did you stop recording already, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll stop now. Okay. This is life being bound to love.